Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of The Rising Podcast will be about The Dispute, a theatre production that gives children a voice in discussions about divorce. Often children are not asked what they see or experience when their parents go through a divorce. We feel there's a real need to protect our children from the difficult problem of breakups. In The Dispute, children of parents who have split up are invited to take to the stage and offer their point of view. The show was originally conceived in France by Mohamed El Khatib, who interviewed more than 100 children over several months before asking whether the kids would feel comfortable expressing themselves on stage. Given the COVID travel restrictions, Rising has been presented with the novel opportunity to tour a theatre concept. The dispute will be staged in Melbourne by artist, teacher and director Jackson Castiglione. In this podcast, two children, Matan and Estelle, will be asking theatre directors Mohamed El Khatib and Jackson Castiglione about the dispute. Mohamed El Khatib is translated by Isabel Monjou Hewson. What is it like in France? Do you go to visit the Eiffel Tower and go to the top of it and look at the view? <laughs> now, as I was saying, do you go out for dinner in France and eat snails? Uh, la, la Tour Eiffel. On, on me la laisse <laughs> Parfait. <laughs> OK, so Eiffel Tower, we leave it to tourists. And... We eat as many sta- snails as you eat uh, crocodiles and kangaroos. Ah, well said. Perfect. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Matan. Um, I'm eight years old and I have a bunk bed in my room. And why did you make a play about divorce? That's the one. At, at first, just to answer the question of uh, Nathan, uh, he, it was not planned. He just uh, wanted to do a play with children. So he went into class and he was talking and he realised that most of the conversation was revolving about the fact that they were living in different places and that, you know, oh, sorry, I can't do this because I forgot my notebook at my mum's place or uh, what am I, I'm going next week, I won't be in the same place. I will get. So Mohammed thought, well, there seems to be quite a lot of separated people, um, parents in, in there. And so he asked and more than over half of the class had separated parents, uh, which made him think, well, there must be something there uh, in their daily life. Hmm. Look, I think 
in sort of contrast to maybe the origins of of the performance of Muhammad's work or original concept, I think in Australia, divorce, uh, divorce is a little bit invisible. And it's sort of like, you know, I think there's a sort of, there's a silence around it which is in an attempt to sort of, I guess, protect families and sort of acknowledge that there's this, oh, there's this, you know, a problem that, you know, you know that, that silence and that, that, that is only dealt with sort of within the family. But I think in lots of ways there's a sort of unconscious stigmatism of people that are divorced. And I think one of the first things when... Um, the festival approached me to do this project was, in my mind, was can we need to test whether children are willing... Well, we need to test whether parents are OK for their children to talk about it and that children are OK to talk about it. And it's, it's actually been quite a massive project for us to, to cast it in Australia. I don't know how easy it was for you, Mohammed, um, but this is not something that's very forthcoming uh, in Australia, and certainly we couldn't go into schools in Australia and just talk to children about divorce. We would, we would be shut down immediately. C'est un sacré tabou, et enfin c'est pour c'est une des raisons pour laquelle moi aussi j'ai voulu faire cette pièce, c'est que c'est vraiment un angle mort. So, what Mohamed says is, yeah, it is in France, maybe not as much because he has no ways of, of knowing, but uh, but just, it's incredibly taboo uh, in France as well, uh, ah, okay. especially from the voice of the and from the point of view of the children. Yeah. So lots of talk of people talk about um, about divorce and separation, but these are these people are the adults, the psychologists, the, yeah. the experts, the blah but the nobody parents. asked the the children are a total yeah. dead angle. You just you know, just um you just don't don't, don't talk to them. So in some schools, uh, they actually felt that it was probably better to enter via the question of relationships between parents and children. Yeah. And then, because it's so much part of their lives and their daily lives, uh, the separation came absolutely naturally because obviously if you talk about relationship between children yeah. and parents. So they were, they were living, I mean, the whole team were living in this paradox um, where the, you know, the schools, the inspectors of work and that sort of thing were saying, ah, 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 don't, don't, don't broach that subject with children. It could actually awaken, awaken absolutely terrible trauma in them, etc. But then when they were speaking with the psychologists, the psychologists were saying exactly the opposite. No, absolutely not. They need to speak. They want to speak. They want to just just to, to free uh, and to give a voice to to their potential trauma or not, but to let them actually talk themselves about it. And so for Mohammed, um, theatre, that's what it is. That's what theatre is. It's, it's something that allows voice to be heard and so the voice of these kids to be heard and to to feel totally at ease i feel very similar muhammad that in australia we've had very similar views we've had um um we've had authorities government agencies sort of uh, you know breaking pots and pans and you know being really freaked out and yet we've had parents and children saying we want to tell our stories and therapists child psychologists saying exactly the same thing and in, in all of this 
the hoops we've had to jump through in order to just get a cast and to, we have, still haven't got this script approved. We still haven't got that approved. But to, to do all of this, to me there's a shaming in it, a shaming of saying, actually, you're not able to tell your story. You know, your, your story might be too traumatising for yourself. And for me, that's an innate prejudice in our society that we need to address. Why did you decide to work with kids and not adults? Well, first of all, because that's what we were saying before. They don't have a voice. Uh, they have never been consulted by, because of all the problems and the government problems. And, and, the, um, and so it's really important to give, uh, to give this voice to those kids who are actually the first who are concerned by it, by it all, uh, really the, the, the first um, um, on the first line and in, in the front line of, of it all. But also that's, that's um, the metteur-en-scene speaking, the, the director speaking. It's incredibly um, fantastic to work with children because they are so free in their voice when they actually talk. They have a tone. They, have a, they just say what they feel rather than like adults by virtue of being adults and having their experience and having read and having thought, etc., who are formatted in a way by society, by anything, or by ideas or by shame sometimes or by that sort of thing. Kids don't have that at all. And, and like Mohammed's saying, the, the kind of the truthfulness uh, of children. And like at the moment we're in rehearsal, they're doing line edits on scripts you know, so it's literally a co-writing process for us, and and the way that they're able to shape it or their ideas are, you know, are far are far greater than my own. Yeah, <laughs> which of yeah, right, of course. <laughs> That's the point. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> yes, and it's also yeah, it's I guess in that process, it's giving them more agency and more power to to share their message in a way that's that's more powerful. So, you know, I'm not trying to coach a performance. They're kind of they're sharing the way they're sharing the way forward for the work that they're confident with and that they can deliver. What is the job of a director? <laughs> so so yeah. Our job, as in the metteur-en-scène or the, the the director, is to tell story. And as we are actually adult and we are lacking imagination, we just go and see other people, who are mostly children, and we ask them to help us tell these stories. And <laughs> so here we are. That's our job. <laughs> I think it's a good job. <laughs> How do you cast kids? Um, oh. En France, c'était assez simple. J'ai rencontré une centaine d'enfants et je, et je terminais toujours par. So it was not a casting, you know, it was not a casting trip that he did. He went talking to children and talking to about a hundred plus children. And every time he was talking to them, at the end, he would ask, "Would you like to come on stage and and speak uh, and speak about your?" experience and say all that on the stage and some of them said no some that said yes and so then from their little pool of people that said yes Mohammed was looking for diversity 
so that the end cast would be as representative as possible uh, of of our children of the society of the different people so it's not, it was not the casting was not about the better actor the better speaker the better anything it was just about diversity and making sure that every type of voice could be represented Is it hard to talk to kids about divorce? Non, c'est pas difficile grâce aux enfants parce qu'ils ont pas ce qui est difficile c'est d'interroger des adultes. The very fact that they are children makes it much easier. I mean, much what's complex uh, is uh, asking questions about their divorce and separation and such a traumatic trauma, trauma uh, to adults because they bring their charge of life and uh, whereas children they just respond factually and actually they want to speak about it and they're never asked because nobody asked because everybody is afraid of so as soon as they are able to talk about it they just go for it and that's what makes working with children such a joy but look I think you know there are times where I find asking certain questions in the process hard and those questions are cleared with parents beforehand and they're cleared with the children as well, the way we're doing it in this process. But, yeah, there are moments where I find I, I really question my own kind of, I guess, power in that dynamic and asking those questions that I sort of, I guess, I... You know, it's a, it's a fine line, but, you know, we try and create that safe environment, that supportive environment, and there's always an opt-out for the kids, but in the same breath, we don't want to pa uh, patronise them, you know. We want to allow them to speak freely and, and kind of courageously. Yeah, it's it's a difficult line. No, not especially, because I like the moments of malaise, y compris the miens. Of course, safe, safe space very important, but at the same time, uneasy moments and complex moments are, can actually be the most creative and the most, you know, pregnant uh, with with the theatricality. And so, so he, inc including his own, uh, and actually most of the time, it's he's projecting unease, his own unease, rather than the children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and also transformative, right? Like being able to skirt that line in a, in a very safe way that, mm. that enables transform transformation to make place. Like one one of the, I guess one of the things I've been quite surprised by in this process is the fact that some parents actually have never spoken to their children about about divorce or about the separation. And in some ways, this production, or just just the, the just even in the interview process, you know, is a catalyst for that. So he absolutely agrees that there, um, this this yeah. show is not not a therapy no. and is not um, seen as a, as a therapy for no. anybody, etc. However, one of the maybe unintended consequences is that it's a show that makes people feel good. Yeah, 
and makes the children feel good. And that unintended consequence is something that he cherishes, obviously, because it's amazing. So it's empowering. It's they're feeling included. They're feeling heard. It's hey, guess what? Separated families are families too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you think the church plays, you know, this kind of scepter of Christianity? And I don't mean to offend Christians, but this kind of uh, unconscious um, bias we have. You know, through fairy tales, you know, evil stepsisters, evil stepmothers, this kind of church um, to the Catholic I'm Catholic, you know, the Catholic church. Do you think the f- shame in France is, is to do with religion? J'ai pas bien compris par rapport à la, le lien avec la religion. Est-ce que c'est le divorce est honteux, considéré comme honteux à cause du poids de la religion? Ça, ça, c'est clair, c'est clair. In, in, um, in, when Mohamed, it's a generation thing as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. When Mohamed was a kid, it was incredibly uh, shameful mm. to be a kid of divorces. And there were just yeah. not, people were not talking about it. And I'm, his generation, I remember that very well. In France, you would not talk about the fact that you were a divorcee. And, and as you were saying, as it happens, the church, I mean, the priest would not touch anybody who, who was a divorcee. Or, they were just incredible. So. Oh, wow. so it was really, really tough. But nowadays, absolutely not. It's, mm. it's not at all a shame. Um, it's not shameful, I mean, um, and in some ways, sometimes, um, just exaggerate a little bit, but it, it's kind of cool. Non. Dans les cercles religieux, ça reste, ça reste un tabou et une honte, hein. que ce soit les cercles musulmans, catholiques. Yeah. Vraiment, so so it's, it's, uh, we're talking about restricted circles. Uh, so, yes, absolutely, in Muslim families, it still is a shame to, to, to divorce, like it is still a shame to divorce in Catholic, very Catholic. Uh, however, however, um, Mohammed was saying he has an uncle who divorced 15 years ago, and that was he was rejected rejected by his family, and you know Muslim family just did not want to have anything to do with him. He has a cousin, however, who just divorced, and it's fine. He's not rejected by his family, so clearly okay. something is happening even within those restricted uh, circles. Um, and I would say the same about Catholic as well, um, where, again, when I was little, um, priests did not want to talk to, to, to divorced women in general, but people, uh, whereas now it's, it's absolutely fine. Do you think children are good actors? I do. <laughs> uh, toujours. Toujours, mais parfois malgré eux. <laughs> Always, but sometimes it's despite themselves. They don't realize. C'est-à-dire qu'ils ont une qualité de présence. Ils ont une qualité de présence hors norme. Yeah, they have their quality of, of being present. Just being present. It's... Un petit chat. Yeah, that's a, that's great. So, so, so he said, you know, just put a little cat on stage. You know, in a few minutes, the cat's going to do something stupid, 
and 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 it, then there's going to be an accident of some sort, etc. Well, you do exactly the same with children. With children, at some stage, they're going to you're never you're never away from the possibility of accidents uh, and and something that happens. So that makes the performance constantly live, live yeah. in that sense. Um, yeah, but I I would say. You know, I, I I just feel like we're in a strange era now where people are sort of sick of actors convincing them how beautiful they are or how, you know, char- you know how strong they are or how invincible they are. Like, I, I think there's something, there's a vulnerability in children that really, that really speaks to us. And I, I, I consider the children I'm working with an equal artist to myself or to any other established, um, you know, any other older artist. Uh, but they, their vehicle or their little body is just a 10 year old's body or an eight year old's body. And so they they have a different sort of skill set. But I, I really um, see working, I guess, with a 10 year old performer um, the, um, in lots of ways. There's just as much power as working with a seasoned professional actor, and I, I would, I'm more interested in say casting someone very close, a professional actor, very close to something that's very personal to them, rather than getting them to pretend. I, I really want to know where that line is for that professional actor. Where is that true vulnerability? I just don't want to see some old RSC ham, you know, pull out his bag of tricks mm. to kind of get an audience to love him. I don't know. Like Muhammad said to me, you know, he, they want to cast actors, but uh, children, but not child actors. So, you know, you, you know, we're not going to agencies or anything like that. It's, it's people that want their story to be told. Mm. Yeah. What's the most difficult to work with children? So what's the hardest Uh, for Mohamed is uh, is the kids' very limited time of for concentration, concentration time. Uh, and they've got a concentration span that is so small that you can't just rehearse for hours and end. You have to really make sure that you hit where you want to hit really quickly and and that can be difficult. So, Yeah, that's the first thing. I, I totally agree. Uh, Ça va? Ça va, yeah. ça va. <laughs> uh, um, also, I guess I sort of have to say the regulations around working with children in Australia, I think there's a little bit of overkill and maybe overprotectionism when parents are, have informed consent around projects. That's sort of not good enough um, in Victoria, which is, which is sad, but um, because it, in a way it limits, it, you know, you have to have a large budget to be able to work with children Um, I can understand arguments for that, but I think it also limits the amount of work they can do or the amount of stories they can tell. Une des priorités, c'était d'obtenir la confiance des parents. Qu'ils soient confiants. Yeah, he agrees with the fact that the bulk of the work is to do with adults and parents and of the pre-work, not exactly. Once it's done... Once that bureaucracy has done, when you have once you have total the, the trust of parents, and that, so that that's quite a lot of of, of prep work really uh, to gain the trust of parents, which the kids really feel. 
because if they feel that their parents trust the project, it's all good. It just ça va. <laughs> you can go continue. And another yeah. thing as well is also to gain the, uh, I don't know about the trust, but the, at the very least the understanding of uh, schools because mm. just to, you know, teachers to, yeah. to let them, to, to make them understand how that sort of adventure can be incredibly formative and not just something else that you have to work around if you're teaching the kids. And, and educational, Mohammed. I've had a couple of parents say to me, my child's bored in school, so this is a way of them, you know, it's learning in a different way, you know, so yes. Has anyone's parents ever yelled at you? No, beaucoup. Uh, beaucoup et... <laughs> okay, so the first, <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm just going to translate the first answer, which was not an answer to the question because he had misheard the question. But the, um, so Mohamed first thought that the question was, have you seen a lot of parents, or have you heard about a lot of parents having fights with each other, so uh-huh. shouting at each other, so obviously quite a lot. And what Mohamed was saying was that what he learned from the, all the children um, was that they all knew that their parents were going to separate more or less because they knew that their parents were shouting at each other, yeah. um, whether they heard it or not. They knew. So that was the response to the non-question. Tout à fait, tout à fait. Enfin, je, la question, je, je réponds que dans la première partie en disant beaucoup, je me souviens. But uh, the response to the real question was not that many, but he remembers one, one instance where um, the father, knowing that children were going to tell quite a lot of stories, you know, and, and were free to tell all these stories, just did not want the, her, his daughter to, to play. But the mother wanted mm-hmm. his mother, his kid to play, and the kid was clearly great, and so she would play when she was with the mum, and she would not play when she was at the dad's. So that was an interesting one. So I'm not sure it's about a parent shouting at him, but it's parent shutting him down. Yeah, and that's the territory, isn't it? Yeah, mm. we have to be so respectful of that and those wishes, and even if the play becomes the catalyst for the power struggle or some sort of struggle, we have to kind of own own that and and be very respectful to their yeah to what it sometimes can appear unreasonable wishes. Why do people go to the theatre? <laughs> Mohammed's visibly scratching his chin. Probablement parce qu'il s'ennuie. Et que c'est un des derniers endroits où Probably because they're bored. Uh, and theater, a theater is pro- probably one of the last places where as opposed to cinema you can see people that are alive. Live. Mm. <laughs> you can see them live and being alive. C'est un endroit où ça où il est c'est un endroit où il est permis où il est autorisé de pleurer et ça fait du bien. It's also a place where um, you have permission to start crying. And that's really mm. doing you doing per people good. Look, I I think it's this a beautiful response Mohammed from you. I, I think it's I feel like uh, 
I need to give a less poetic response being in a, an Australian. <laughs> but I think we have a bit more of a fraught relationship with theatre and I think we have a sort of a, a colonial legacy of sort of English theatre that, that I was certainly bred on in my education and I think is, you know, less and less relevant as we kind of become a little bit more culturally sophisticated. But, yeah, for me, I think theatre is that. It 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 provides... Um, but, but because it's smaller-scale production than film, I feel like you can explore more niche worlds and more unique worlds and stories, as it's kind of like radio or podcasters starting to do now, uh, where you can really get in-depth understanding of of people that are different from you. Yeah. And I think that's important. This episode of The Rising Podcast is created by Litmus Media. It's produced by me, Mahmoud Fazal. Associate producer and editor is Eugene Yang. Listen at litmus.media or wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.